listening to the Small Church Podcast. I'm Kevin Purcell, and my good friend Robbie Smith is going to join us. And our purpose here is just to help small churches become healthy, God-honoring churches that make disciples of all nations. So sit back and listen. Everybody, this is Kevin Purcell and Robbie Smith, and we are the Small Church Podcast. We're here not necessarily to help you make your church bigger, but to make it healthier and let God take care of the rest. And uh, we are on the second week talking about strategies for uh, making evangelism a priority in your church. And so we already talked about three of those. What were those first three that we looked at last time? Kevin, the first one was praying for the lost, some strategy where we're praying for the unreached or the yet-to-be-reached. Then the second one was having event evangelism where you do uh, two to four events during the year. Those could be revival, could be VBS, could be a, a block party, all kinds of different things. But plan those, present the gospel, make sure unreached people are there, give them an opportunity to respond. And then the third one was having, on a regular basis, four to six times a year, do some kind of personal evangelism training. Those were the first three. And then we talked about there were, the, we were going to talk about three more, which brings us to the fourth. And that we call team evangelism, uh, meaning 90% of the top evangelistic churches connect Sunday school or small groups to their outreach strategy. It's not, let's create something special. It's use what you've already got. Most of our churches, Kevin, in Southern Baptist life, you and I represent Southern Baptist churches, uh, have many of those have Sunday school. Some have small groups. But whatever the case is, using those groups to do regular outreach, whether it's monthly or quarterly, but the key to that is being consistent in it. Right. And so, um, you know, this team evangelism is, like you said, it's taking what you've already got. So it probably won't cost you a whole lot more as far as funds. In fact, you can do it for nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Uh, and it's just the effort. It's being consistent on being intentional. Now, what does a pastor do with that? He needs to constantly remind the, the leaders, the group leaders, whether Sunday school or small groups, that that's our intention. We want to make sure that the gospel's being shared. We want to make sure that we are going some kind of regular, whether it's visitation, whatever. We need to check on the people or who are in those small groups, making sure that they've heard the gospel. If they haven't responded to the gospel, get those team leaders to go and talk to them and share the gospel with them. Our job as pastors and leaders are to equip the saints for the work. So, so equip them how to do it. So how do you organize a Sunday school class? Let's say a Sunday school class comes to you as the pastor and says, hey, I want to do this. Let's do this. I want to do it in my class. But I don't, what, do I do? what do I do? You know, they're kind of lost for what to do. What's, what's it look like in the small church? You know, it, it, it's, it, Great question for the small church. It doesn't have to have tons of people. You need to have a, a Sunday school teacher and you need, or a small group teacher or leader and then have an outreach person. 
those are the two. You can always have secretaries and all that if you've got bigger classes or a bigger group. But the key is the outreach leader, call them whatever you want. There's all kind of creative names for that. But them and the team leader and that outreach person make sure that they're keeping up with those who come in new trying to find out if they have a relationship with Christ and then following up with those that seem to uh, not attend anymore for some reason. I had one group, this is a funny story, that they said, uh, we need to take, we'll just call them Lulabelle, okay? We need to take Lulabelle off. Lulabelle uh, no longer comes to the church. Matter of fact, Lulabelle died. Well, I had a weird feeling about that, and so I called the number we had for Lulabelle. Guess who answered the phone? <laughs> Lulabelle. She's alive. She's a alive, miracle. I know. <laughs> and so we, and don't ever do this, Pastor, but I, what I said was, Lulabelle, we thought you'd die. <laughs> no. Don't ever do that. That's a bad thing to do. And she said, no, Brother Robbie, I'm not dead. I've just been sick for the last six months. Oh, gosh. Now, do and you no see, one followed up with her. Hello. Oh, no. And no, so we would rather kill them off and yeah. take them off our roll instead of just checking on them. Yeah. So that outreach person's consistent checking on folks so that nobody falls through the cracks. Yeah. You know, one way I tried to do this, the follow-up part of it with the folks who were coming, was we just put everybody's name on a card. And when you came into the classroom, what they were supposed to do is take their name off the board and put it down. And if there was like a prayer request or a need or something like that, they'd write it in and hand it to the person that was, you know, you've always got the lady or the man or somebody who's keeping the record book, you know, who's attended. We're good at keeping the record as to who's <laughs> been there, just not real good at those who aren't. Right. And then we look up at the board, well, who's left, you know, and if, if uh, someone showed up one time, then we'd start making cards for them. Well, let's mm -hmm. follow up with them. They didn't come the second time or the third time, you know, and so we always did that. Now, in one of our classes, that worked well, and the rest of them, they weren't real excited about doing that. In fact, they even had one say, I'm not doing that. But you know what? The one class that, it, that did it, they grew, and mm -hmm. it was helpful. And, and they've got a, probably the, best, the fastest growing class in our, our church, and they were, they were doing that faithfully. One thing too, Kevin, with the point of evangelism in groups or team evangelism as we called it here, is that let's say you as a pastor get a message that John Tyler, we'll just call him John Tyler, has been visiting the church and uh, you believe that he is not a believer and never made a decision for Christ. Now, you and I go visit, we do all that, but wouldn't it be better that we sent John Tyler's name and card information to that small group or Sunday school and ask them to go follow up and ask that teacher to make sure the gospel's presented? Yeah. See, it not only gets the job of sharing the gospel done, but it also is equipping our people, our church family, to do that. And it raises the temperature of evangelism in our church. Yeah. That's it's just one more way of saying to the church, this is of utmost importance. And it helps guard yeah. the time of the pastor, too, so he can spend time yeah. getting ready for Sunday and doing the other things he needs to do. So that's our fifth, our fourth one. Yep. The first three last time, and then that's the fourth one that we're going to talk about today. 
what's this thing called servant evangelism? It's servant evangelism when you go out, you build wheel wheelchair ramps for folks. That could be one. You could do uh, mow somebody's yard, clean somebody's gutters, paint someone's house. But here's the deal. It's not servant evangelism if it's done for one of our church members who's a believer. Mm -hmm. That's called kindness. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's just being the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah, that's called love. <laughs> yeah, thank you. But this, the requirement for servant evangelism is that it's done for someone who doesn't yet know Christ. And the gospel is presented. Yeah. We use building a wheelchair ramp, painting the house to show the love of Jesus, which gives us that ear. They're more willing to hear us when we show that we care for them. What is that old saying? I think John Maxwell used to say, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm -hmm. They don't want to hear from you either until they know how much you care for them. So it, it wins an opportunity to share the gospel. That sounds like the thread that's going throughout all of these things is just do what you're doing, but try to do it with lost people and then include the gospel and invite them to Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, I use the word lost people all the time. But one thing I've been trying to do lately, and I have to keep reminding myself, it's yet to be saved. Okay. Because uh, these folks, they're not, we pray that they will not be lost forever. We pray there'll be a time that there'll be transformation in their life where Christ will come in. So you have to be saved. I still call them the lost. Yeah. yeah but th that's something for us to think about, too. Kind of yet a more hopeful saved. name. It is. Yeah. It is. Like, this is, not, this is going to happen. <laughs> it yeah. keeps you motivated. I've got family members that are yet to be saved, and I keep praying for them. But we want a, churches that will do one ministry-based evangelism each year. You know, Sunday school classes... And turn up the heat a little bit. They could do one a month or at least once a quarter. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that needs to be done with that, Kevin, you got to put it on the calendar. Every Sunday school class ought to put it on the calendar because if you don't put it on your calendar, it's not going to get done. Yeah, we've talked about VBS in our last podcast. And that's something you put on the calendar every year because it's a tradition. And, you know, traditions... We keep them going. This needs to become a tradition that you do every year sometime. It doesn't have to be the same thing every year, right? That's right. Yeah. I knew of a group that they're doing. They're, they're sponsoring uh, people who are slightly impoverished. They don't have as much money, and they also don't have clothes cleaning equipment in their home. And mm -hmm. so this, this is actually an association, and they uh, have a different church each month sponsor uh that they go in and they pay for everybody who's coming to the laundromat. It's great. And when they do, they give them the quarters, and then they also give them a gospel track and talk to them, and there's stuff on display about their church, and then they try to interact with the people and invite them to come to their church. Now, I don't know if they give the gospel presentation or not. I haven't didn't hear that, but uh, you could. You could very easily. you got plenty of time. Especially in a laundromat, <laughs> yeah. you know. Uh, they're going to be waiting to get their clothes done. Yeah. So what's this last one? You talk about the Sunday morning experience in our list of notes here. What does that mean and what does it have to do with evangelism? Make worship special. That means you need to plan it. I love this. I uh, found a quote recently. 
of the top evangelistic churches in our country say their services are lively and celebratory. That means it doesn't feel like they're going to a funeral. And the only way to do that is with rock and roll music, right? No. Listen, I've heard music that is with no instruments. That can be exciting. Mm -hmm. But here's the key. The leaders, the pastors, the, the worship leaders, they need to be excited yeah. about being there. It doesn't need to be an afterthought or something we have to just get through. We need to plan it and then sing and participate with passion. That makes a difference. It's not a funeral dirge we're going to. You know, it's we get to worship Almighty God. And if the believers aren't on fire, why would a non-believer or yet-to-be believer want to participate in something like that? You, Kevin, it's interesting. All of us, we love, we love birthday parties. We love anniversaries. I love July 4th. I love going to... You know, I spent so many years in Georgia. I love going to the Atlanta Braves baseball game. We get all excited, but then we come to church and we act like the frozen chosen. <laughs> and uh, that's not what God wants us to do. He wants us to celebrate who he is. And the fire will be caught when they see that. So things that we need to remember in our worship planning, make naturally big Sundays very evangelistic. What do you think the most, the two top attended services in the year are? Um, Arbor Day. <laughs> and, no, obviously Christmas and Easter. Right? right. There's another one. What's the third? Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Yeah. Somebody asked me recently, why, why Mother's Day? Because if mama wants to go to church, the whole family is yeah. going to church. They may not go any other day, but they're going to go on Christmas and Easter and they're going to go on Mama's Day. Yeah. Uh, make those evangelistic opportunities where you share in the gospel. Yeah, I know some of our churches do musicals and all that, and that's fine. But there still needs to be an opportunity in that where the pastor gets up and shares the gospel and gives the opportunity to respond because there's some non-believers there who will not be back to church until the next Mother's Day or the next Christmas. Right. So we ought to take advantage of that. Present the gospel in every service. Provide an invitation in every service. And then the last thing I wrote down in here is that we must celebrate baptisms. I know you've been sharing with me lately, so you've been having several baptisms recently. We should make those a big deal. And uh, where we clap for the Lord, for what he's doing in that person's life, where there's testimonies given, because that's what we want to see more of. Yeah, the best I've seen it done um, is some, I knew of a church that they recorded a testimony of the person being baptized. So when the person walked down and stood in the baptistry with the, the person baptizing them, on the screens next to them or behind them or wherever it was, was their testimony. How did they get saved? And it was short. It took like a minute. And then after that, the person was baptized. Talk about a powerful statement. They're likely to have invited their friends and co-workers and family. And so then they're the ones sharing the gospel and not the preacher, the stale old preacher they never met. And mm -hmm. I thought that was so cool. And then after they got came, the very moment they came up out of the water, 
the organist started playing "Praise God from Whom," oh, yeah. and it was yeah. just just kind of really really cool. And and uh, now you know I don't know if you'd do that if you had ten people and maybe you'd wait till the last one came up out of the water or whatever. Uh, but uh, that was something that was really cool, and I I've, I kind of wish that I had done that. But you know we scheduled baptism in the state of North Carolina where we live, they planned a day called Fill the Tank Sunday, the day after Easter. And I had never done it before. This was, I think, the second or third year that second. that's been done in yeah. our state. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I was scared because we weren't having anybody coming forward for a long time. And then finally, someone came and said, I want to get baptized. And he came on Easter Sunday morning, and we baptized him the next week. And then... In the following weeks, we've had a couple more, and we're probably, hopefully, about to have a few more. And so I think what happened is the Lord saw, hey, they're faithful to take a step of faith, kind of a leap of faith, really, that could easily embarrass us, but he blessed it, and we used it uh, and did what he was calling us to do, and I think God has blessed it. So we've had a few since then, which in a small church, that's a, a good thing. I think I've heard you say that if you get 10% of your... Sunday school attendance and have that many baptisms, that's pretty good in most normative-sized churches today. So That's good. What, the big thing here, Kevin, is with these six things, you don't have to do all six of those, but why wouldn't you as a church? Why wouldn't a pastor want to raise the heat of evangelism in his church to help that culture? We have to remind ourselves always that churches and individuals, and I'm pointing at myself at this as well, even preachers don't gravitate towards evangelism. They gravitate away. So we must be intentional. And our best friend is our calendar. Getting those things on the calendar. Be intentional. So Robbie, what do you think is the lowest uh, hurdle to get over? to do something, the to, do easiest more, thing? to do more than I'm doing right now. Because that, that's really what we're talking about. If you're doing nothing, just do something. What's the, what's the like, I can do this now and it's not going to cost me anything. What do you think of all the things we've discussed? The, the most important is also the easiest to begin to do. I, I, I preach in a lot of our churches, and Kevin, you know that. Uh, one thing I ask quite often on a Sunday morning, I'll ask the congregation this. If God saved everybody that you've been praying for to receive Christ mm. in the last seven days, if he saved everybody this morning, how many would come to faith in Christ? And boy, as a preacher, you know when, you, when you've hit a spot that people aren't uncomfortable, they become uncomfortable, they start looking at their shoes and their shoelaces, <laughs> or they... Pick up their phone. They've got to do something because it's that nervous reaction. The truth is we're not praying for our community. And we're not praying for unreached people unless they might be our, our relative. Find the meanest people in your city and start praying that they will come to faith in Christ. Hmm. We gripe about them, but do we pray for yeah. them? And so you ask me, what's the easiest on-ramp? It's prayer. Pray for two people every day who are yet to receive Christ and see what God does. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. What do you think after that? What's next? 
Uh, I'm looking at these six things. Um, I think just of all, well, all the ones that I saw, the second easiest, if you're right now and you're the pastor of the church listening to this, you have almost total control over what's presented in the sermon right. time. Right. Share the gospel every week. Yes. Share the gospel. It may sound, you know, oh, he did that last week. Well, he's done it the week before. But every week there might be somebody, and you never know who it is. Let me tell you, you brought this up. Yeah, there was this pastor he, at the end of his sermon every Sunday, he says almost the same thing when it comes to presenting the gospel. You know, uh, we've all saved. The wages of sin is death. Can't save yourself. You know all the things. Yep. And he said it, the ABCs of salvation, let's just say. And uh, he was with a church member in the hospital, and this church member started talking to somebody. And guess what he said? The same thing that he's heard every week. That's good. And he shared the gospel. I don't remember if the person came to faith in Christ or not. I don't remember. But the pastor was so excited. He said, how'd you learn to do that? And he said, you've been teaching me every week by what I hear you every Sunday yeah. saying. So Kevin, you're exactly right. And the pastor also can lead in evangelism training. Those are easy buttons, yeah. so to speak. And I think the, you know, one of the final things I would say is every time you share the gospel, uh, God's pleased and you're successful. Well, yeah, I was going to ask. So if I present the gospel to, let's say, John Tyler again, okay? <laughs> Poor John Tyler. If your name's John Tyler, I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> it's an easy name to use. John Tyler, I present the gospel. And he says, no, I don't want any part of Jesus. Have I failed? Nope. Oh, but he didn't receive Christ. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. So the, the success, as you said, is in presenting and sharing the gospel. Because then we've been obedient to our Lord, and that's the one person we want to please. Yeah, he's yet to be saved. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Not just lost. That's right. So well, John Tyler, if you're out there, repent. Repent and be <laughs> saved. And let us know if you did. You can yes. do that by sending us an email at either Kevin or Robbie at thesmallchurchpodcast.com. You can also find that website. And uh, we've got social media and everything. Find the links at our website. Uh, we've really enjoyed sharing this with you. And if it's been meaningful to you, let us know. Or if you have a suggestion, you want us to uh, cover something or a question or a complaint, whatever it is, let us know. And, of course, you can find our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, all kinds of places. And when you do, subscribe to it. What did you say? I do said what? subscribe to it. Subscribe. subscribe. Hit that. Well, is there a bell or something or a something button? Something like that. And Hit you the can button. get notified. You'll find out when we have a new one. And you won't say, what happened? They haven't been uh, coming to uh, my, uh, my phone for a while. It's been six weeks. Well, that's because you didn't subscribe. So <laughs> anyway, so do that. And we'd love to be able to help you. We just do this because we love um, the church, we love Jesus, and we want people to come to know Christ and to be discipled. And we want you as a pastor uh, to, you know, grow your church strong first and let God take care of the rest. So thank you. This has been Kevin and, and Robbie. God bless you all and take care. This is the Small Church Podcast. I'm Kevin. And I'm Robbie. And until next time, goodbye and God bless you.